You're listening to the Woman of Value podcast. You are about to hear the story of a woman who is following her dreams and passions and creating positive change in the world. It's not that it's going to be perfect. It's it's not that you have to have all the qualifications and the letters and the training and the da, 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 da. it's that you have something to contribute and it's going to make a difference. So contribute it, say it, do it. Jody Flynn is an executive leadership coach. She's a podcaster, an author, a speaker, a workshop facilitator, and a community leader for overachieving women who are rock star performers in their work, or but they're at risk for burnout. She is the host of the Woman Taking the Lead podcast, and she's an Amazon bestselling author with her book, Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing. I love it. Welcome to the show, Jody. Sandy, thank you so much for having me. And thank you to those of you who are listening. I know uh, Sandy and I are, you know, have our hearts set on providing a ton of value because that's what this podcast is all about. Absolutely. And Jody had me on her podcast in one of her first years of uh, launching. And I loved her so much that I reached back out to her when I started this podcast. We're going to start with your aha moment, the moment when you realized that you needed to make a change and claim your value. So please share the steps leading up to that change and the moment itself and what actions you took following that moment that helped lead you to the empowered, amazing life that you have today. There have been so many along the way, Sandy. I feel this is like you have to peel back the onion, but one that really stands out for me. So leading up to it, um, I was in a corporate career. Um, I was an assistant vice president of corporate quality. We went through a couple of acquisitions and Right before this all happened, I had discovered the field of coaching. Now I had a psychology background. I love psychology, but did not go into psychology because didn't really I didn't really see a career path for myself within it. Pivoted, did very well in corporate. Then I started to discover coaching and I was like, wow, this is intriguing. This is something that didn't really exist or I was not aware of when I had first graduated from college. And so Because of the acquisitions, our jobs were going to be outsourced. So I took the opportunity. I had researched coaching schools. And when I found out, the day I found out um, my job was going to be outsourced, my boss burst into tears and I got up and just hugged her. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be okay because I think I know what I want to do. And it was a few weeks later, I found myself in a seat. Um, and look, you know, in Marlboro, Massachusetts, starting the first weekend of the, the live coach training. And that, I would say that weekend was all about, it affirmed my decision. I remember um, I was living in Maine at the time. So Sunday afternoon, early evening, I'm driving back to Maine, lit up and just like, yep, I'm on the right path. This is it. I love coaching. This is what I'm meant to be doing. But it was probably two months later when we had our second live weekend training, I saw how much I had advanced between, in in terms of my skills and like listening and the coaching tools that we were being taught between the first weekend and the second weekend. And I had, it was the light bulb moment, the aha, like, oh, I don't just love this. I'm really good at it. And the other people who were in the training with me 
validated that for me. They were, you know, the comments and the feedback I was getting was like, wow, what have you been doing since the last weekend? Like they could see the advancement and I, and even our trainers said something like, you know, we see something in you, you're very talented, that sort of thing. And I, it was so validating, so affirming. And I was like, to find something I loved that I was really good at. And as you know, Sandy, being a coach yourself, when you are coaching somebody and you can help them gain insight, get aha moments, transform their lives and receive value, like there's nothing better. There's nothing better than that. Wow. Well, I saw you completely light up here. So <laughs> I know that what you're saying is so resonant for you and I can totally relate. I remember my first weekend and I in coaching school and I, um, I had made a choice to coach because I wanted to make a bigger impact in the world. And I'm curious, um, what were you doing in those two months between the first session and the second? It's really interesting because this has been a theme throughout. I actually worked on developing my intuition. One of my trainers was an intuitive coach and I took one of her programs on how to just listen, you know, trust where your intuition is coming from. For some people, it's from their heart. Some people, it's from their gut. Some people hear things, see things, just know things. So really gained more knowledge on what is intuition, where it comes from, how to know intuition versus, you know, your inner critic. And I think through that program, I started to really trust my instincts when it came to coaching. It really gave me the go-ahead to be bold, to ask certain questions because I would be, the feeling I would get was, oh, this is coming from my intu intuition. I should ask this question. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I think I was being a little more daring as a coach than some of the other people in my training had been thus far right? That we all got to that place where we, we trusted ourselves and, and started to take some bold risks with the questions and, you know, what we were reflecting back. And so I think in, it was really developing myself intuitively. And it's interesting you're asking this question because recently I've had people ask me, what business books are you reading? What leadership books are you reading? What coaching books are you reading to become a better coach? And what's really funny is what I've been reading lately is Eckhart Tolle, Byron Katie. You know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm reading authors who talk about the non-physical, you know, um, and, and being in the present moment and really pulling from what is beyond the physical realm. And that is helping. It's not to say I do read business books and I do read leadership books and I do um, read books on um, coaching process and that sort of thing, but it's not what I spend the majority of my time on. It's so interesting. I mean, that's real life. And that is what makes us a better human, which ultimately makes us better at coaching and better at everything else. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you touched on intuition because that was a pivotal moment for my coaching as well when I started tuning into the intuition. And there's, it's like that exciting moment when you see something and then you say something, yeah. feel it in your gut. And sometimes we're wrong, you know, sometimes yeah. it's just a gut feeling we have, but it's just checking in and saying, here's what I'm, here's what came up for me. 
I just got off a session a minute before we got on this this podcast, and um, I'm coaching a 20 year old woman uh, who has trouble making decisions, and she her mom hired me because she she got she was getting stuck in her decision making in terms of like where do I go from here and how do I how do I choose a, a major and like some of these big decisions that we have to make in life, and um, our last discussion, I was talking to her about trusting herself, trusting her decisions, and um, using a tool that I like to use, which is whether this feeds me or drains me, like really checking in with yourself. And so often we make choices to make somebody else happy, you know, to please somebody else at the expense of ourselves. So I would love to hear your take on that. Like, you know, what are, what are some of the, um, the ways that you know you're making a good choice? That is a great question. Um, by go- let me ask you this. By good choice, what do you mean by making a good choice? <laughs> You're such a coach. Um, <laughs> I'm saying a resonant choice, something that will feed your soul, something that feels like it's aligned with who you are. What is coming up for me first, Sandy, is when I know I'm making an aligned choice, oftentimes it feels like a panic attack. <laughs> right? Because it's typically not the easy thing. It's, it's the thing you have to do because it's the right thing. It's the aligned thing. It, it's speaking up, right? Declaring that you want something, right? That moment when you, you know you want to go after a big goal mm-hmm. and you're about to declare it publicly, your heart is pounding, or you're about to hit publish on a blog post where you're really, you know, cutting to the chase of a certain issue and you're, you're making bold proclamations, that sort of thing. So for me, oftentimes the, the actions or the decision I need to make to stay in alignment with who I really am feels counter to what we think we're supposed to be doing or how we've been conditioned to be, which is to, you know, maintain harmony make sure everybody else is okay make sure you're not ruffling any feathers make sure you don't you know you know don't go after something if you might fail better to go after something a little smaller so that you know you'll achieve it rather than go after something big and fail cuz that hurts you yeah. know that sort of thing so how do i know when i'm making the right decision my heart is pounding out of my chest <laughs> <laughs> i love that so those are like the big decisions that are, um, and I was just talking to this young lady about this too, that there's a big distinction between like real fear, fear like you're making the real wrong decision yeah, and the fear that comes with stepping into your greatness. Yes. And so how do you distinguish between those two fears? Okay. It's on a mental level. So right, my heart, it might be like beating outside of my chest. So the emotion I'm experiencing, I can either label fear or excitement. What helps me to make the distinction between, am I just excited? You know, because this is what I need to do. Or am I afraid is, does it feel right? Like I think to myself, if I don't do this, will I regret it later? Right? Will I be kicking myself in the pants three hours from now? And thinking, wow, I just missed a really big opportunity. That was the right thing to do, to go for. So thinking into the future and wondering, will I be living in regret if I don't do this? Then I know it's the right choice. Mm. I need to make it. 
I'm trying to think of the last time I really was really afraid of something and it wasn't the right choice to make. I think for me more, it just feels like an icky feeling, you know, like it's so nebulous to say icky, but Mm -hmm. it's just this feeling of, you know, do I really need to make this decision right now? Or do, or is this coming from what I call FOMO, fear of missing out? I think a lot of people know that acronym by now. Like, is it a fear of missing out on something? You know, am I afraid I'm going to be judged? That sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I try to take a look at, well, where is this feeling come from? You know, because if it's an excited, aligned you know, the fear of stepping into something greater. It's like, well, is this who I am and who I want to be? Well, then that's the kind of fear it is. Is this a, I'm afraid I'm going to be judged or I'm, you know, I think I'm, I'm moving too hastily. This doesn't feel right for me. Am I doing this to please other people? Well, then that's where the fear is coming from. Mm, The great distinction. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and it is really important to move beyond the good fear <laughs> to get <laughs> to the life we're meant to have. And here at the Women of Value, my motto is show up, stand up, speak up. And it's all about making your why and what you want in life bigger than your fear. Mm. And and we don't get that without having some fear come up. So I love, I love that we're talking about this. It's a, it's a great, it's a great topic. And I think it's important for our listeners to know the difference between I'm petrified. It's going to be something really unsafe for me or not the right decision, or I, I'm scared of writing that book because I don't want to be judged, but it's Mm -hmm. really what my heart has wanted my whole life. I've always wanted to be a writer and, but what if people that, you know, judge me, what if I publish this and, and it, it, the critics, kill me. Yeah. Um, that's the risk that we take, yeah. right? And it's not to please everybody, right? And so you said that really well about not worrying about judgment and, um, and trying to please other people. You have to please yourself. Absolutely. What are you creating in the world right now, today? I'm going to write my second book. So my first book, Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing, was basic, it was an opportunity to take my coaching system and make it DIY. There were a lot of people who wanted to be coached by me, but it was an, it's intimidating to get private coaching. You know, it's, you've got your coach's full attention on you. It's a time commitment. Like you're committing to having your life be changed. And for a lot of people, it's also a financial commitment that is over their head for where they are right now. So the timing isn't always right. So I wanted to take my coaching system and make it accessible to as many women as possible. Um, And some people can do it on their own, you know, and for some people, it would get them a few steps ahead. The second book, because my clients tend to be those overachievers, you know, call them what you want. They're like the go-getters, the high achievers, overachievers, type A. They, They are a special breed and our culture is actually creating more overachievers than is natural for our the personality types that we're typically born as. And so what this book is, because I was just noticing trends in my clients when they would first come to me and, you know, the self-doubt and the misunderstanding they had about their own tendencies and how they're kind of, you know, wired for lack of a better term. And 
a lot of my work in the beginning when I'm, I'm first beginning with a client is to reassure them like this is normal you're normal you know this thing you're trying to change about yourself it's actually a superpower don't change it here's how you want to do it differently so that it's working for you instead of against you so this second book is going to be all about how to you know if you're that type of woman how to understand yourself and how to manage these tendencies so instead of being depleted and burnt out by your tendencies you can actually use them um, in a way that works for you so you can find more success you're finding more um, harmony or balance in your life I know those terms are a little overused but you start setting some boundaries around what you do because these people tend to be the ones who are like oh nobody else is going to do it i'll do it you know that sort of thing there's a whole list of typical behaviors of these types of men and women but i want this book to help them how to to, to learn how to manage these things so they're not the ones who are always you know doing things and they're not getting burnt out and they're actually able to take their natural tendencies and use them for the greater good. You use the word superpowers, which I think that we often see our supposed flaws as, as flaws, when yeah. in reality, they are often our greatest gifts. And Ken Page talks about that in his book, Deeper Dating. Um, he's been a guest on my other podcast. And it's in, in dating, we often are afraid to show our true self. You know, and, and um, it's the same in life, you know, in all parts of our lives. And vulnerability, the ability to, to really own our whole self and not reject the parts of us that we think are weak or not perfect, um, so, so important. And, and, and you're right, this has become like an epidemic. I, I think this book is it's going to be so successful because we need it. We really need it. People are overdoing. I appreciate you saying that, Sandy, because with what we were talking about just before you asked me this question, when I started the outline for this book, my inner critic went wild. Even though I knew I wanted to write this book, it was good to write this book, I was excited about it, I can't wait for it to be published, and writing the outline like the, the questions of who do you think you are? You're not a PhD psychologist. You're not a neuroscientist. You're not a researcher. You're going to make all these proclamations and all you have is anecdotes and your own experience. And I have a researcher working with me. <laughs> this book too. But I was just like the whole, like, who do you think you are to write this book? And I had to take a step back and, and remind myself, this is going to help so many people. You know, like you said, to embrace themselves wholeheartedly and yes. appreciate all of the different facets of their personality and what they bring to the table. I'm like, this book has to be written. So pipe down, inner critic. I got <laughs> to get on with this. So it's so funny. Uh, I love it. Well, this is who I think I am. <laughs> and it's a good thing. <laughs> I know our inner critics are very silly. They, uh, <laughs> I, it happens to me every single time I create anything new. I mean, I just created a whole new website and new podcast, do everything. And it's like, oh my God, this is so scary. Yeah. But I knew I had to do it. There was something pulling me to do this for years. And I had a coach who said to me, woman of value, Sandy, that is you. You must make this come to, to fruition. It's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. 
but it has to happen. And I think, you know, it's like just quieting those voices and saying, I'm going to do this. So let's talk about the future. And I know this is, this is going into the future because your book isn't published yet, but what is your vision for the future? And we want to know your dream for yourself and for other people. I was in, in the middle of my workout the other day, and I had this thought that, wow, I, I know who I am and I know why I'm here. There are people out there who are asking themselves this question, right? It's the age old question. Why am I here? Why am I here? Why was I born? And I'm like, I'm so clear on that. Like that, it like caused me to burst into tears because it's such a blessing. Um, And, you know, in the future, I want to, this, this is my, I've known this since, since before I, I got my coaching certification. That's my role here is to help other people realize who they are and why they're here, right? To mm-hmm. uncover, you know, like we're going to go back to what we've been talking about, embrace themselves wholeheartedly, really understand um, who they are at their core. And, you know, it's, it's a common quote out there and it's been attributed to Wayne Dyer and many other sources, but the whole, um, you're not a physical being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a physical experience. That's who I am. That's who you are. That's who we are collectively. Mm -hmm. And the more we tap into that and realize that and live that life gets a lot easier. (laughs) It gets more peaceful. It's not to say there are not challenges. There are new challenges. There are better challenges. There are enlivening challenges, but then you get very clear on, well, what's my work, you know, here. And I put work, I'm going to put work in air quotes because you know, if you really examine it, it's a lot of fun. Like what I'm doing is a lot of fun. And it's only when I forget who I am and what I'm up to that it becomes work, right? With the book, when it became about my ego and what pe- like people were going to judge me and who did I think I was and da 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 it became very hard and very challenging and drudgery. And then when I reminded myself of the person who I'm writing this book for and how this is going to be freedom for them from the torment that they go through, you know, about who they are and judging themselves, all of a sudden, this was not hard work. This was just what needed to, to be done. And I'm ready to do it. Getting that ego out of the way. Is <laughs> yes. And it's so hard because the ego just wants everything to just stay the same and just be perfect and mm-hmm. um, not to take any risks. But, you know, just it's, it's amazing what happens when we can get that ego out and, and get the work out because you are helping so many people. And yeah. that's a beautiful thing. And it goes back to that original question, right? Because the inner critic was causing me to feel fear. But I asked that question, like, if I don't write this book, will I regret it? Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah. And I think about all the people who probably could have been helped by yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Will I regret it? I mean, there was a, a beautiful book written about the regrets of the dying, the five yeah. regrets. Of, I forgot what the, maybe that's what the title was, but yeah. Um, we have to read books like that. We have to see like people get to the end of their life and they've pushed off something and pushed it off. And one day when the kids are grown and when this happens and when everybody else is taken care of and then you forget to live your life and often it's too late. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so you never want to get to the end of your life and say, why didn't I follow my dream, follow my heart, do this thing, travel more, do the work that really resonated for me. I mean, I know people who get sick from their job and keep going back. And it's like, you know, those wake up calls happen for a reason. Like we yeah. need to pay attention. So right. this, this work is very much needed in yeah. the world. And I, I, you're so energized about it. It's so great to talk to you about it. <laughs> I love it. So we're going to get into the lightning round now. The lightning round. <laughs> this is where we ask a bunch of really quick questions, and we're going to probe deeper into the mind of you, our woman of value. We're going to get some priceless nuggets of knowledge from you, and we're going to get some valuable information that all of our listeners will benefit from. Are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready, Sandy. Go for okay, it. Okay, we are going for it. What was the number one thing holding you back from becoming a woman of value? It was the belief I had that I had nothing of value to offer. Mm. And as soon as I realized I did, I started speaking up and taking action. Love it. What is something you failed at? that taught you an important life lesson? <laughs> well, as you know, being a business owner, it, it often looks like failure after failure after <laughs> failure. But I tell my clients, don't look at them as failures, look at them as experiments. We're all scientists testing things out. So we're testing things. But one of them, or I should say a few of the failures that, uh, cause it was a lesson I had to learn over and over again. What I learned from it was to really stay in communication, in conversation with my clients, with my audience, with my community, because they're the ones who are going to tell me what they need. I can't just decide for them what they need, create it and then be like, here, have it. I need to listen to them and ask them what they need from me. That is so important. I was just talking to somebody who never asked and it was and, and wasn't serving their audience. And I don't I don't remember the details, but it was just like your audience holds the key. Like <laughs> why are you creating programs that they don't even want? Mm -hmm. And they love being pulled. I mean, they love when you ask for feedback, you will get it. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we have to stop assuming anything and just ask. Good questions. Um, yeah, I love that. And I love that it's not failure, it's experiments. We're all scientists. I think that's great. I'm going to use that one. I'm stealing it. <laughs> um, okay, so next question. What is the best advice you can give to a woman who has given up her value in the past and wants to become a woman of value like you? Mm -hmm. Baby steps here and this is the thing it's all about taking care of yourself start taking really good care of yourself even when you don't feel like it even when you think you don't deserve it or you haven't earned it because it doesn't matter you get to take really good treat uh care of yourself because this is the thing and this is why it's crazy important and sometimes um you know, we talk a lot about self-care, but we, we've, I think we've gotten to the point where we dismiss it a little bit. There is a connection between how we treat ourselves and how worthy we believe ourselves to be. And if you are not taking care of yourself, you are sending an unconscious message to yourself and to other people that you do not have value. 
And when you do take care of yourself, right, the opposite happens. You are sending an unconscious message to yourself and to other people that you are worthy, you have value, and you need to be treated well. I love it. Um, just for clarity, what is self-care to you? Like when you say take care of yourself and treat yourself well, what are you referring to? Uh, you know, I have um, my clients do a personalized self-care plan and it runs the gamut. And it's not just your physical well-being, it's your mental well-being, emotional well-being, spiritual well-being, your finances, you know, relationships, all of that. Self-care to me is about identifying those things that energize, renew, and restore you. And it's different for everybody. You know, what restores an extrovert is not going to be the same thing that restores an introvert. And what may restore a child is not going to be the same thing that restore, restores an adult. So it's about finding those things that you know put you in a good place and make you really happy. For me, it's often like, you know, a fantasy story. I'm a huge fan of like... Harry Potter and Game of Thrones and that sort of thing. I want to be taken away to another place. But then I also love my my chocolate and my first, you know, that one first cup of coffee in the morning to me is is a treasure. And then also like connecting with friends. Like I can feel it. Like there are some people I talk to more often than others. Um, I need to be connected with them. But then, you know, if time has stretched by, I know I need to get back in communication with them and have a conversation. I have some friends we can talk to three times a year and we're good, but I start to feel it when it's, it's come time. We're due. We're due for another call because, you know, I've just gotten to the point where I sense it in my body, you know, and, and in my energy field if, if I'm not taking good care of myself. Mm, I love this. So it's really your own personalized self-care plan. And, mm -hmm. um, and I like those words that you use to energize, renew, and restore. Mm -hmm. And I know Mel Robbins, I have her journal, um, the five-second journal. Every day she asks you to evaluate your energy level and in like a gas tank. So you're either full or empty or somewhere in between. And then to say what, what would make you feel more energized? Mm -hmm. um, because our energy is huge. It's really, really important part right. of it how we get through the day. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So next question. Do you have a book or books that you could recommend that have been helpful to you in your journey? Mm -hmm. Well, earlier I mentioned Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle, but what I'd really like to underscore for this question, just in, in the theme of the podcast is anything by Brene Brown. Knew but if you, <laughs> if you haven't read it, start with the gifts of imperfection. Like, it's just, I mean, uh, uh, her works build on themselves. But for me, this was the book that like started the domino. Um, it, it is all about really embracing um, yourself and accepting yourself for who you are and that it's okay. And we're all human and you're not alone. And you're not the first, you know, 100,000th person to have done that thing, you know, and, and probably the millionth person to do that thing. <laughs> to go a little easier on yourself. So book, TED Talks, all of that, you know, just be in her world. She's amazing. <laughs> I, you know, as you were talking throughout this podcast, I kept hearing Brene Brown's voice. I, mm -hmm. I heard it in Wholehearted Living. I heard it in The Imperfections. And it's just so much about the vulnerability of 
showing up as our full self. Yes. So I totally hear the influence that she's had on you as she's had on me. She's amazing. Yeah, especially because overachievers tend to be perfectionists and control freaks. And that is <laughs> Brene Brown's personality. So she gets it. She speaks from that place of, you know, living with really high standards and how we beat ourselves up and that sort of thing. So she is basically speaking to the heart of the type A woman when she writes her books. <laughs> and she has a great sense of humor about it, which I love Wonderful. so much. Mm-hmm. And she can laugh at herself and... You know, I did this. Oh my God! Look at look at what I did. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. I she think. lives her work because she's all about vulnerability. If you watch her first TED talk, she outs herself, and she laughs about it. like she's just wonderful in that she embodies her work. Yeah, yeah, she's mm-hmm. a great role model. I yes. love it. All right, next question: What is your favorite woman of value quote? Mm, this one's from Maya Angelou, and it is. A bird doesn't sing because it has an answer. It sings because it has a song. Mm. And I love this quote because it's all about like what we were talking about, Sandy. It's, it's not that it's going to be perfect. It's, it's not that you have to have all the qualifications and the letters and the training and the, 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 it's that you have something to contribute and it's going to make a difference. So contribute it, say it, do it. Sing it. I love that. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that one. I I love Maya Angelou and that's a new one to me. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to put that somewhere. Um, That is perfect for being a woman of value. Mm -hmm. And our last question, Jody, is how would you like to be remembered? I love this question, the, the legacy questions. I would like to be remembered as being kind and wise and helpful. Kind, wise, and helpful. Mm-hmm. You like those threes, energize, renew, restore, kind. I do. I do. <laughs> I, I find that in my writing too, that I tend to write in threes, which is really funny. Well, we remember in threes, so it's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I will remember you as kind, wise, and helpful. And, and I love that. I think that in the end, this seems to be a theme in this show is that it's not I don't want to be remembered necessarily for that book I wrote. I want to be remembered for my character traits. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. that is how people will remember you. And it's how you're showing up in the world as a woman of value. Thank you. So thank you so much for coming on the show today and for, for doing this amazing work that you're doing to inspire other women to embrace themselves wholeheartedly, to embrace their imperfections, to share their gifts to the world. And, and um, we, need, we need more of that. If you would like to step more fully into your value, grab a free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Becoming a Woman of Value on my website, thewomanofvalue.com. Just click the link at the top of the homepage. And if you haven't already done so, be sure to click the subscribe button in your listening app. And if there's something in this episode that inspired you, please share it with others. Because the more we share these inspirational stories, the more women of value we will have in this world. I'll see you next time.